So hi, one of the Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with uh, this is Rory from Dayseeker. And we're asking some questions say about the upcoming album Dark Sun. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to the announcement so far? Um, it's been good, man. It's uh it's always a little scary putting new music out into the public and just hoping that people don't hate it. But uh it seems to have gone pretty uh pretty well so far. I think like I think like when we were getting ready to put out like Neon Grave, I was like kind of worried because we hadn't put out music in like three years. And I feel like your your first single kind of sets the tone for like how the rest of it's going to go. So we got a yeah, we got a lot of love on, on Neon Grave and it seems like uh, it's been a really good response to every single so far. So I'm I'm pretty, pretty happy at the moment. Oh, yeah. I know people were patiently yeah. awaiting your return. So I expected that the all the singles would go really well. Mm hmm. Man, you would hope so, but I feel like some I don't know, I feel like sometimes people in our scene can just be vicious if you put out music that they don't like. So it's uh it's always a little a little scary. Well but, yeah, if the if the tastemaker said this was bad, then it probably wouldn't have like three million streams right now. Yes, that I guess that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Um yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, we so we wrote Neon Grave is was like the very first song that we wrote for the album and then um I before we wrote that song I was kind of like oh this will be like this will be the song about my dad and I thought I'd be able to kind of squeeze everything like into that one song and then we finished writing it and I kind of realized that there was a lot more to touch on about his passing so uh we ended up writing uh, five different songs about my dad's uh, passing on the album and so I think just because like such a big chunk of the album was about him and that experience it seemed like it like the title track should be one of the songs and so Dark Sun uh, was a song that I wrote um, kind of metaphorically in this like apocalyptic sense it's just about feeling like uh, when he died like the sun burned out basically uh, mm -hmm. and then trying to live in this world where like um it's not really like there's no natural light coming in it's just a very like dark time and so uh i think i just feel like that kind of encapsulated that whole experience a little bit better and it just was like a nice simple title and then uh it was it was funny too because even before we got like the album art back i kind of saw like a sort of like eclipsey kind of vibe for like the front cover and then uh what's cool is like was that uh the the guy uh, his name is ryan sanders he made the artwork for the album he had kind of like he had taken that direction really well and then for the i feel like the we haven't posted the back of the cover yet but it's uh it's like the front cover is obviously like very dark um with like that kind of blacked out sun and then mm -hmm. uh the back cover is more like kind of like pink uh like pink clouds and like it just looks a little bit more happier i guess to say so it was interesting because i feel like we kind of set the concept up as like the front cover is like the dark sun world that uh like i find myself living in like after his passing but that uh the back cover uh could be like like heaven basically or like mm -hmm. a, a place that my dad is now where he's okay so uh yeah I'm, I'm really i'm happy with how all the artwork came together overall that's sick and i'm sure. sorry for your loss by the way Yes. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album? 
Oh man, it was just a year uh, off and on of just uh, just writing and second guessing and a lot a lot of changing the songs. Like it's funny because Dark Sun ended up coming out as this like like it kind of reminds me of like maybe like a eighties kind of Paris song in the verses, and then it somehow turned into like this EDM structure where it like builds to the chorus, and then the chorus is like a keyboard instrumental i don't know it's just very like i feel like that song went through that was like a good example of how like you can start writing something and you can have an idea in your head like what it should be and then like by the time the album's done it's just like night and day like we dark sun was kind of like a we had like neon grave and dream state which are like the two like heavier tracks on the album and i think like we initially started writing dark sun as like oh, okay this will be another uh like metal metal or kind of harder rock track in the album so it's funny because there, there's like an earlier version of that song that has like it opens with like like a wage war sounding like riff and then um there's like a breakdown and the break yeah it's just but it was funny because we ended up writing all the vocals for it um and then we were like listening to the song with all these like metal elements in it and like me and the producer were just like this is like making the song worse isn't it like, it's, not, <laughs> it's like not it's not cool it feel it feels like like really i feel like we're always kind of we i don't know if we're going to do it a lot in the future but i feel like we always feel like we had to pay like homage to like our older listeners by including these like heavy rock parts but i feel like we just don't like we don't listen to a lot of that stuff like now in our older age so i feel like when we try and do it now sometimes like it has to be something we're excited about um, or it comes off sounding like forced or kind of inauthentic. So mm -hmm. um, it was just a lot of that. I mean, it's, you have songs like that on the album, but then there's songs like Without Me, like we wrote, we wrote like pretty much like 90% of how it is. We wrote in like a couple of hours in one day, um, mm -hmm. which is just crazy because you just, you just get lucky like that with some songs that just, they come like super easily, but we're also lucky too because it's like on a lot of our past records it's like we would we would just go to like some different state for like three or four weeks and just kind of lock ourselves up and work on an album like 24 7. I mean mm -hmm. that is like one way to do a record but it becomes really easy to get like burnt out I feel like doing that so we're lucky that our producer uh, lives locally so um, like I said it was it was a year but we were just going to the studio like a couple of times a week like you know like when we weren't touring uh or had other plans going on and I think that way it was like it was kind of nice because you'd write a song and then maybe like in a few months you'd be like I don't know if that's like a good song actually and then we would mm. change it or rewrite it but I feel like I feel like we got a good solid 11 songs out of this that I, I feel I feel really good about but it was a yeah it was a process man it was <laughs> especially I mean a vocal tracking is just like a nightmare kind of but um yeah we we did it you know for sure <laughs> and you know i i appreciate you said like you guys had dark sun it was going to be like this kind of wage war-esque track and you didn't force it and it definitely like none of the none of the songs on here feel forced you know mm -hmm. i hope not yeah yeah it was a lot of yeah very much leaning into like the pop structure style of writing um because i think that's like more what like what we listen to outside of like this genre you know and i think mm -hmm. that's like something that excites us in this in this music scene sure. exactly 
and if your older fans want that sound again they could just go listen to your older stuff like i know that's what i always say i'm like it didn't go anywhere like it's still exactly (laughs) on spotify i think it's just because people want to hear like newer evolved versions of like our earlier albums but Mm -hmm. i just like it's just you just can't expect like the funny thing is is that if we kept doing that because i think we were trying to do that up until the record before sleep talk it was called dreaming is sinking and we were like i think even on that record we were trying to lean into like metal and like metalcore roots and i could feel like in the middle of that album like that just sometimes the writing felt like kind of uninspired like yeah. like I'm proud of it but there are definitely like some songs on that record where I'm like that was like I feel like we were reaching a little bit there or I, I just wasn't like really passionate about writing just like screaming over like breakdowns anymore and so mm-hmm. it's like and it's funny too because it was like as soon as we tried something different that like wasn't metal and we did sleep talk it was just like just an entirely like different game changer for like our success as a band and like people caring about our band and then you have like these five people in a corner like, i missed the breakdowns and it's like sorry i don't know like yeah like, you want to make everybody happy but it's just yeah. it's just not really possible at the end of the day but it's clear exactly. that the general public wanted something else so yeah <laughs> absolutely so it's it's fine man yeah. like it's mm-hmm. i think if like i think if you've like listened to our band for a long time and, and you've like enjoyed what we had to offer it's probably not like the parts where we're screaming or playing riffs like i think a lot of it i think a lot of people gravitate more towards like the lyrical content and and probably like the more melodic parts of the music so it's fine if there's a few angry metalheads you know who aren't getting what they want but yeah exactly and even if you did go back to your roots, those still five angry metalheads would be like, wow, they haven't changed at all. They haven't evolved. They would still be mad at you. So there's really like no winning. It's fine. Yeah. I think at some point we just realized like we should just write the music that we want to write and just mm-hmm. hope that people like it. And we just got lucky that they have, at least so far. Yeah. Yeah. It does rock. Very good album. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, so what song off this album took the longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? Oh man. That's a good question. Um Thank you. they it's funny, they actually hmm, that's tough. I can tell you the one that took the longest to write was um it's called Afterglow. Um it's the the ending song on the album and I, I wrote it about my daughter and it's it was like because we wrote Neon Grave as the first and then I had like I written like the on guitar like the chords for the chorus for Afterglow like a like a while ago and I I had shown it to our producer Dan like right after we finished working on Neon so it was like the second song we started writing on the album but then like that was another one where it was never going to be a metal song but we had like alternate versions of like different uh verses and stuff and we just couldn't really like get the song structuring to make sense um and that one and I think too, it was like, I was trying, I was like, okay, I'm going to write this about like my daughter and like our, well, obviously like how much I care about her, but it was just like, I think she was only like four or five months old when we had started working on it. And not to say like, <clears throat> that's not enough time to like write about your, like how much you love your kid. But it was interesting because we kind of like kept trying to like force different versions and it just wasn't really panning out super well. And then we started working on a lot of other music for the album so we kind of like put that one 
on like the back burner and then uh it ended up being like the last song that we finished uh like for the album basically and it was i was almost better it happened that way because we we rewrote like a lot of the instrumentation and i I think it came out cooler but then like lyrically it was nice because then like by the time i ended up writing it it was like i had been a father for like a year and a half and then uh Mm -hmm. i had gotten to like i had gone out on like a few tours um with Dayseeker and I feel like it it like just made the experience different because then I was writing about kind of how like like what it's like to be away from her uh Mm -hmm. and just experience like that like I have to go out because I have to like make money to like provide for her but then in the process I'm also missing like these like little milestones that are happening in her life where I come home and it feels like she has like grown up like a lot in a really short period of time so that was like that definitely took like the longest to write because we started working on it like at the beginning of the album when we started recording but then like didn't finish it until like right before we turned the album in but I'm happy Mm -hmm. it kind of worked out that way and then Mm -hmm. um man I don't know um I think crying while you're dancing is probably up there um because I don't know it's just it's funny because your label encourages you to like write songs kind of like neon grave or like without me where it's like like you finish it and they're it's kind of like oh this is like an undeniable like like single for the record like it's 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 structured in the way that it's like catchy and it'll it'll do well like commercially but like um crying while you're dancing was kind of like a i don't know it was sort of like a dark horse like we it just I feel like it's structured really interestingly and the chorus is not like a radio chorus where it's like really catchy and repetitive but there's like something about it that I I just remember like when we finished like a working demo for the song I like I listened to it like 10 times in a row and I was like this is like like I think this is a really cool song and then Mm -hmm. uh but it's funny because sometimes you get ideas for like what songs you think should be like a single and I remember with that one I was like I was like I'm gonna advocate for that one and I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of like disagreement from our label and our management and everybody was like no this is definitely a single and so it's like <laughs> it's cool it's funny because I did another interview where a guy he's like I think that song is gonna be like a dark horse track on the album and I was like well I think it's our next single so I hope <laughs> like I hope that's not the case but yeah. it was the same thing where it was like it was like a favorite for him um but he he too kind of recognized that it's not like by definition like a radio or like a rock single like the way it's structured but yeah mm-hmm. that one uh yeah that one comes out in like a like a, a week so we'll we'll see if uh people like that one but that's that's a favorite of mine for sure hell yeah um so how'd the track list for the album come about did you guys write the opener be the opener closer be a closer did you shuffle around and see what fits what was that process like um yeah that gets hard it's it's basically like a uh it's just basically like arranging like a puzzle kind of at the end of the day it's usually like like i knew afterglow would be a good song to end the album on um just because some songs just have that that vibe or that tone like it's really final and like it's gonna end the album so that was nice because we had that one we didn't have like dream state as an opener for a long time actually and we were kind of like our producer dan was kind of like i think we should have like one more upbeat rock song because it was a little like on the slower side and then uh we wrote dream state and then i was like yeah this is like 
I mean, it's just a cool, like, straight to the point kind of rock song because we, on Sleep Talk, we did like a more artsy intro track with this song called Drunk. And it's like the, it's like, the, like, this song doesn't really kick in until like a minute and a half in on that song. And we were kind of just like, I think we should just start this album like a little more like spoon fed for the listener. And yeah. then it was just a lot of like, I feel like it's kind of simple where it's like, a lot of your singles are usually upbeat and catchy so they're <clears throat> they're good to kind of front load on the beginning of an album because you don't want to like bore your listener a couple tracks in and then and then like you know three-fourths of the way through you're kind of just picking like this is probably where like the ballad should go or this yeah. song here but I mean it got kind of easier because like uh there's like there's like two interlude tracks on the album uh, called Midnight Eternal and then Parallel. And those are kind of like meant to go into their respective tracks following them. So Midnight Eternal goes into Dark Sun and then a Parallel goes into Afterglow. So that was kind of easy too, because it was like those two like have to be back to back basically yeah. at the end of the day. So um, it's a process though, for sure, getting everything ready. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you went into this a little bit already in the beginning, but if you want, you could go a bit more in depth. Would you be able to tell us where your headspace is at while you're creating this record? Um, just depressed. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of it was just about uh, just my dad, because like I said, it was hard to like, I think like with Neon, I was just like, it was so easy in the past to just like be like, oh, this will be like, our eating disorder song and this will be like the cancer song and then it was just kind of like just every I don't know there's a lot of stages I think that come with like the process of like seeing somebody die and then also just like the months that kind of follow afterwards so mm -hmm. I mean a lot of it yeah was about my dad but then there was also just like I don't know there was yeah obviously songs about heartbreak um so just keep writing about the same girl over and over again so that's that's nice uh okay. and then, uh and then a lot of it was uh but i mean i think a cooler thing for the record too is that there were like kind of honest attempts at writing songs that are i wouldn't like it's not like happy like it doesn't sound like i don't know like you know like a super poppy happy song but like for us like a happier tone or, or more uplifting like Afterglow is obviously like about like an overwhelming love that I have for my daughter and my experience being on the road. So it's not like super sad in that sense. And then uh, Homesick was like the other track on the album that is like, was meant to be like kind of on the happier side because it's more about like, <clears throat> I mean like, cause there's songs where it's just like, oh, like I'm so sad and like life is sad. It's kind of like a bummer the whole way through. And I feel like Homesick was like, kind of about my dad dying but it was more like it was me being in the middle of that really dark period and then kind of recognizing like because I think like after like my dad passed I kind of just wanted to like wallow in like my own misery sort of because yeah. I just I didn't really feel like I wanted to like put myself in situations where people were gonna be like laughing or happy because I, I just didn't want that at that time and then I yeah I spent time with somebody like I think like five or six days after he had passed and then um just like like got dinner and drinks and it was like very dark in the beginning and then as the night went on it like progressed into being like more lighthearted. and then I I found myself like like smiling or, or laughing here and there and then it, it just made me feel like uh like I didn't have to feel 
like guilty about being happy in the middle of a really horrible time in my life. So I think homesick is about like, like people, places or things that um, just make you feel like it's like you might be in the middle of like the worst time in your life, but like you can still breathe like while you're going through like really horrible things and like you owe it like to these people um, and these experiences that are kind of lifting you out of a dark, a dark space in your life. So Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure um so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time should i do it in the car with friends in the dark with headphones on is a workout album party album what do you personally recommend man uh yeah i don't know maybe i feel like it's a good uh i feel like it's a good nighttime driving album i don't know how many friends you're gonna have or down to just listen to like a really depressing album for like I thought you were gonna say I don't know how many uh, friends you're gonna have if you're a day seeker fan. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, in a car with friends and you can. But I mean, in a room alone is cool too. I mean, like with headphones. I mean, yeah, that's that's an ideal way to listen to it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. And were you gonna ask the same question? No, I was gonna go back one. Oh, go for it. Okay. So I just wanna go back to the headspace question for one second and just say that I appreciate that like you wrote this very like personal record you're talking about a lot of personal shit that happened and you're still willing to like go and talk about it with people and like you know be very open about like what happened and what you were feeling during that time i feel like when an artist writes a super personal record they either don't do interviews about it or they put up this facade that like everything was okay during that time you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean um well thanks man i don't uh i don't know i think like emotional vulnerability is like a big part of like why people like our music and I know like for me it was like that was a big a big help like when I was younger and going through things in like high school and I like I didn't really have anywhere else to turn like except music so I had like a boom box you know in my room when I was like 15 and I would just listen to like Linkin Park or like Stained and stuff you know just like just like really sad sounding kind of like angsty music and um I think like I don't know I think you know what it was too is that I like uh I don't know if you guys know there's this band called Let Live um they used to be a thing um Mm -hmm. they're they're not they're like fever 333 now um but uh yeah they I saw them play a live show one time and he like they had this song called Mother and he he had like he had like basically they just had like a really vibey instrumental going on. He he talked for like five or ten minutes about like his mom and his experience with it and stuff. And I don't know why. Then when like they played the song afterwards, it just hit me a lot harder. I was always like, that was like a cool vibe uh, for him to be like so uh, like so candid about like like really personal shit. And then it made me appreciate the song more. So I think like we definitely like took a page out of that book. Like we usually do something like that live with our songs, but I mean, it's also like, I think too, it's like, and you guys have probably seen this with like your friends or other people. It's just like, specifically like a lot of my guy friends, I feel like there's like that stigma of like, you can't talk about your feelings or like, it's not Mm -hmm. okay or it's uncomfortable. And I find myself usually like, I think because like I'm so open in in our songwriting, like I don't feel very uncomfortable talking about like any any topic that really comes up. And then I think as a result, it's also like I want to like try and help like 
I have like other guy friends who like I know they're going through something and they're they're not talking about it and I try and pull it out of them I'm like you gotta like you're gonna explode one day if you don't yeah. like get your stuff out so like I'm a big like I'm a big like mental uh health kind of advocate and I feel like it would I'd probably be like a hypocrite if I you know was writing this kind of stuff and then didn't want to talk about like what it means you know and yeah. hopefully like it just helps somebody like understand our music a little bit better at the end of the day so hell yeah for sure uh, so this one should be super super quick off the top of your head i want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words no more no less um sad 80s pop <laughs> <laughs> That's Perfect. good. All right. Yeah. Um, so in that same train of thought, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album? I guess just like, a, I mean, hopefully just a feeling of like catharsis. Um, Cause I mean, for me, it's like, like, it's like, it's this really nice experience. Cause for me, it's like, I think what's songwriting is, is like very uh, challenging at times, but it's also like very, therapeutic for like helping me cope with things I think it's like why I had to write about my dad because it just helped me kind of like process it and like try and like understand my own emotions a little bit more but then it's mm -hmm. nice because then like like I do that for myself um and then it comes out and then like maybe there's somebody else who also lost their parent or you know who's dealing with heartbreak or like any you know any litany of like topics we've written about over the years so i mean it was kind of what i talked about before like when i was a kid i would just turn the music um because it really helped me that's like kind of that's like a big part of like why we play music and i think like what our hope is like all the time you know it's just like that people listen and it can help them if they're going through something tough so hopefully yeah hopefully they just listen to it and they feel uh, just comfort knowing that they're not alone if they're going through like a similar experience that we did oh yeah love that uh, so what is your favorite memory that you made while creating this record um man like it was pretty tough uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's just something to do vocal tracking it's just oh my god it's just brutal I mean at least like our particular I've, I've definitely worked with producers where like they you just track a line like one or two times and you're like yeah it's good and then you just kind of keep moving but like yeah our producer just just grinds me down i mean because like it's got to be perfect he doesn't want to edit it all in post it's got to be perfect <laughs> um, out of your mouth. no he does but man he just really like we usually do we do every line every line on the album probably if i if i can do it well like naturally like probably at least five or six times and then there were parts on the album where like um like some of like the more like r&b stuff like there's there's like little like vocal runs and like without me and like the second verse and stuff and they're like i don't know why sometimes it's like easier shit to do in my car and then as soon as i put headphones on and you're like hearing yourself back it like messes with yeah like your head so i don't know it's just some stuff like that, like when stuff, when we had to be like really critical of making sure like the notes lined up correctly and it, it was like in time, like you would do like 20 times. So it's just like, it's like every time we would go to, it was like vocal boot camp, like whenever you go yeah. to record a song, because it takes like, it takes a good like three to four hours to record a song all the way 
through like per song um and there's like 11 songs so we probably spent like a good like 30 to 40 hours alone just recording for the album um, i might try to tell you about like a good memory i have uh, no it's um <laughs> but i mean like it's the ends justify the means it's like we get like uh, like amazing takes um for every song but i think a a cool I mean it's it was a little stressful at the time but looking back it's a cool memory it's like my my daughter was at the studio like uh, a lot of the time while we were making the album but Aww. she was a little more like she was a little more like low maintenance at the time like I'm I'm lucky that like the schedule kind of lined up the way it did at the age that she was at because there were just some days where like it was my time with her but I like I had to go work on the album so um our producer Dan is like he's uh he's great with her and then she would just like i have a little like it's just this thing called like a pack and play it's basically like a small baby prison so we just throw <laughs> yeah. her in there with like toys and stuff and mm -hmm. then uh and then he has like a, a student like a tv in his room so we would if, if you put like at that time if you put almost anything on that was made by pixar she would just lock in on it and would just watch it for like hours and stuff but i'd like but then i was also like okay like I gotta give her a bottle like right when we get to the studio and then I can work on it for a little bit and then I have to give her lunch and then she goes down for a nap and so it was like at the time it was a lot of like every like hour or two hours had to do like something so we'd have to like pause tracking but then it was like I think it was just like a cool experience that she was like she was there like more than anybody else outside of like me and our producer Dan like so that's like a nice memory to have it was it was pretty stressful at the time trying to balance like the schedule of like when we get to work versus like taking care of her but I mm -hmm. think like it's just a cool memory um and then hopefully she'll be more chilled out because now we couldn't do that because she's too like she's too rambunctious and <laughs> understands like she can test boundaries and mm -hmm. like she she's crawling would... out of that prison now <laughs> oh yeah no, she would sprint out she's just yeah she's a chaotic little kid now um but okay. yeah that's it was nice to, to have her there for like a big chunk of the recording process hell yeah mm -hmm. um so picture this you're on tour you're at a gas station for a rest stop what is your snack of choice oh man um doritos i think um yeah, probably, yeah, if I need a shitty snack. Or, um, you know what's good, and I was really caught off guard, is um, the, they have a Reese's Big Cut, but they have potato chips inside of them, and they're they're super good. I, like, wouldn't, I, I kind of tried it as, like, a goof, and then I was like, this is, like, the best version of Reese's I've ever had. Cause it's really? Kinda, like, yeah, I think, like, I'm into, like, salty sweet, that, like, salted caramel I'm, like, super into, so I think mm -hmm. you get, like, that, like, salty taste from like a potato chip but then like you have like the chocolate and the peanut butter i don't know there's something about it it's it's, it's pretty nice yeah i've wanted to try it but i'm so worried that i'm gonna bite into it and the potato chip's gonna be like soggy <laughs> so no, i've it, been scared oh, of it it's max i promise if you try one you you won't regret it okay i'll, I'll have to grab some then yeah i'm trusting you all right yeah. if it's yeah, bad it's... i will message you about it that's fine <laughs> you can you can give me Give me a hard time if, uh, if it's bad. <laughs> uh, so on the topic of food, if the band was a dish, what dish would the band be and why? A dish would the band be? Um, probably a pizza. I don't know. A lot of a lot of different ingredients going on in this, uh, in this band here. Um, 
I don't know, pizza, because it's easy. It's also like my favorite. It's probably my favorite food. But I mean, mm -hmm. you can't eat pizza all the time because you'll you'll die. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like all the guys enjoy, they enjoy a good pizza too. We like like uh, in Indian food is really good too. Like a good mm -hmm. like, like a good like chicken tikka masala. Um, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like a nice change of pace because sometimes you'll go to like a venue and usually like what we'll do is just like see what's walking distance in the area and sometimes it's just like horrible fast food or like a very crappy dive bar so you gotta be you gotta take what you can get i guess when you when you have it absolutely sure. um so for the last couple of questions we're gonna shift completely away from music and go straight to death row boom so if you're on death row what would your last meal be with drink Um, man, there's this, uh, there's this restaurant called, uh, Hell's Kitchen in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. um, that Gordon Ramsay owns. And I, I, I've been there a couple of times and it is like, I thought it would be kind of overhyped and it's not, it's definitely some of the best food I've had in my entire life. Um, they have a, they have a dish called a, a beef Wellington and it's oh, basically yeah. like, yeah, if you watch his shows, it's just like a <clears throat> a cut of like filet beef and like a pastry, um, like a pastry around it. And then it's baked with like, I think there's like a mushroom thing going on and like mm -hmm. prosciutto wrapped around it. And they put like a, like a red wine demi glaze over it. And it is yeah. just, it's fantastic. It's really good. So I would do that. And then they actually have really, it's funny, they have really good uh, cocktails there. So I would do that. And then I would probably, I mean, if I was about to die, I would just like, want to just be hammered i think um yeah. so so something something very strong with a lot of alcohol in it um yeah a, a long island or an adios mf -er, if they have those where you guys are from i don't know i've never heard of it but i'm You've sure never heard of it, Is it <laughs> no. okay? can you curse on this podcast oh yeah yeah it's called an adios motherfucker you guys have never heard of an adios motherfucker well no. we're both not of drinking age so True. oh yeah. okay okay sorry <laughs> that might be part of it um, that might yeah that might be it okay you might you might hear about it more so it's like well have you guys heard of like a long island mm -hmm. iced yeah. tea? it's kind of in that realm like if you but uh, adios is like it's an adios because it's like like i'll see you tomorrow after i drink this because you mm -hmm. just get very i don't know it's like watching them make it it's kind of horrifying because like usually in a cocktail it's like you know it's like maybe like this much alcohol and then the rest is like juice yeah. or other stuff it's like you watch them make it and i think it's like four or five different alcohols and it goes like up to here and then there's like a little mixer at the top but it just like splash yeah it doesn't taste that strong though that's that's kind of the scary part about it that's um, a little concerning yeah yeah it's uh i mean if i was gonna die though i would you know i wouldn't want to be sober so <laughs> i don't know yeah Fair i guess enough. i guess that that would be my death row meal all right perfect so if you could live in one fictional world for a week where would you live one fictional world um probably either in a world where superheroes exist or um like hogwarts like harry potter because i was oh, a, yeah. a big fan of that growing up so it'd be cool to cast some spells and stuff for sure what uh what house are you i don't know i think um i think i did like a test one time and i came back slytherin so i was like oh shit um but that's good uh, yeah is it i don't know yeah. I mean, gotta hang I out mean, with like 
Malfoy and stuff, you know? There's that isn't bad. I mean, Slytherins are like, um, what is it? They're just like motivated, right? So it's good. I guess so. Yeah, something about Ravenclaw sounds nice too. But mm -hmm. um, smart. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there were any major characters that were were in Ravenclaw in the books. Yeah. None, remember. none in Hufflepuff either. Yeah, it's very forgetful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So I have now. I'm asking the last question, and every single person that you've spoken to have said that it is the most important question. What is your favorite color? Um, either blue or black, I would say, but probably a nice like a nice sky blue. I think is is my favorite color. That's good. Very good pick. Um, so as I said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, yeah, just that uh, we have a new song out called "Crying While You're Dancing" on October twenty seventh, and then we have. Uh, our new album available on November 4th uh, called Dark Sun. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Well, th well thank you for now. That's been Rory from Dayseeker, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.